Iguana Bar in King's Cross is no longer open. And I've been looking at reviews. Here's one from 2005. The heart of the Iguana Bar is its back bar, a den of sin drenched in 80s memorabilia and autographed photos of celebrities, Prince, Annie Lennox, Rod Stewart. There's a stage beside the DJ booth where Friday night revelers gyrate as onlookers giggle from the booths. A desert mural explains the bar's name as a stoic iguana makes love to a naked woman. A $5 cover charge after midnight is a little steep given the drinks are pricey and no big name DJs are spinning. But once you make it to this shady bar, it's unlikely you'll register the dismal surrounds. They apparently had free pizza on Sundays too. Nice. Across the many reviews online, the overall average is 3.7 out of 5. Iguana Bar shut down in 2014, and strictly speaking, it wasn't replaced by a strip club. It was replaced by two strip clubs. The first one, Room 13, has an average review score of 4.6. The second one is called Dollhouse Gentleman's Club, with average reviews of 4 out of 5. The Dollhouse is one of the only places in Sydney that offers nyotamori, which is the art of eating sushi off a naked person. When I called them, I had a lot of questions about hygiene, raw fish, and cultural representation, but in our one short and, let's face it, quite boring phone conversation not worth posting here, they didn't really want to talk much about it, and didn't want to appear on a podcast. Which is probably fair enough. From my research, though, it seems that Nyotomori body sushi isn't really active in traditional Japanese culture, more like it got picked up by Western countries through films and Orientalist thinking. Anyway, there's probably some metaphor here I can work into the podcast. Maybe something about a drastic reinvention of style that can result in long-lasting appreciation from your audience. Or maybe that change is inevitable, or that nothing lasts, or that it's just one element within a larger network of ideas, or... Or maybe I could just, like, forget the whole thing and move on. Yeah. Yeah, that seems appropriate. Polish Club have released their second album, Iguana, and they're kind of coming to terms with it. This is Polish Club's... So I guess now is a good time to say we're here with Ash Grunwald. Is this an introduction? I don't know. We've never really done an introduction. It kind of always just goes into that. But I like to put one in there just in case you need to use one, Tom. Thanks for having me. I think this is a really great idea, this podcast. What is the idea? We're not even sure. And I guess that's why we're doing it. I mean, we're we're trying to get people in who have a lot more experience than us and no one could be better than you. I mean, you've done a shit ton of albums. Or who are experiencing. Or who can empathize and are in the same kind of stage as us so we've done people who have one album like all our exes and then now you who have what like over 10 right re- yeah well with live albums and stuff many but i think this is my ninth studio Jeez. album jesus i remember doing a support years ago for jeff lang and seeing 10 10 i had one cd and uh I, he had 10 on his merch table uh-huh. and i was like wow I just you know i can't wait till i can that's what i want to do that's yeah. a body of work yeah and I think, like, to help you, with, like, thinking about some of these things, um, that's the way you have to start thinking about, like, your yeah. body of work. And ironically, well, I'm sure you do this anyway, but, like, if you get more into the art of it and into your craft and you focus on mm-hmm. that rather than, like, just, you know, I don't know, the other stuff that affect your ego, like, um, 
results, numbers. It's like, yeah, because you guys now this is your second. This album, is our is second. But you had some EPs in between, or two EPs, one before yeah. each album. Yeah. So yeah, what is it going to be like? Or yeah, imagine after your tenth. But yeah, you look. It's better. <laughs> it's kind of healthier to look at it as a body, like like a body of work, like ten, say ten albums, rather than like 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 um judging yourself on whatever you just put out like it's kind of that's kind of a really bad way of doing it yeah i i but that's definitely your first album is that it's like here we are yeah but that's i came to that conclusion after a while it's like and i especially once i'd done four or five and i'd really pushed into the areas that i didn't think the genre i thought there was a gap and i wanted to do something different so i did it or whatever yeah and then you realize, you know what? This next album doesn't have to be my manifesto. Yeah. Of like yeah. my statement of this is who I am. You know, it's like, this is an album I did. Yeah. Somebody will love it. Somebody else might hate it. And let's hope somebody hates it because they might just be so passionate about the first one. And this one's quite different to that one. So how could they be passionate about it yeah. all, those people? You do know? you still feel that pressure though, come album seven, eight, nine? To do something different, though? Or are you fully at peace? Just, you know, this is another string to my bow. Um, uh, yeah, I followed it probably like what you guys are thinking or like, yeah, you, you think of it in terms in relation to your other things. And yeah. You just try and move slowly, like in logical steps. But that all might be just stupid anyway. I don't, mm. I don't know. It's You should just do the... The best thing, but you imagine a fan following along, yeah, and you don't want it to be. <clears throat> you don't want to do death metal and then a reggae album and then a yeah. country album, yeah. obviously. But you know, I I don't know. It's just like I think the most relaxing thing that you can ever think is just realize, um, you know, when you're feeling pressure uh, about your work and whatever, realize the liberating fact that none of it really fucking matters at all. 100%. You know? <laughs> uh, but it's so easy to to get lost in the moment of it and in yourself and whatever. And I was just talking on the radio about this today and we were talking about surfing and, and different other things like in nature and why they're so cathartic. And, when, and the biggest thing, somebody rang up actually and they were saying, oh, you know, when you get smashed... You get just get you get reminded how small you are, and I think that's so healthy to realize your true context, no matter how big you get. Mm. And it's like still not a big deal. Mm. So like, do, you, do you? So when you make when you make music, do you do you feel like you're making it for you for other people rather than you mentioned that you have like a fan that you you bring a fan along like in, in your head. Mm. It, like what what balance of like I'm making this for myself and I'm making this for people? Mm. Do do you think about I don't know? Yeah, I was I, I was like struggled with, I struggled with that in this second like leading onto the second album because I was like I, I think I thought too much about mm. what people want or yeah. what sells rather than yeah what I enjoy you know? yeah and like what our strengths are and like what to focus on that we can do well and that what kind of songs that people have connected with of ours before. Like, well, we've got to have a, I don't know, got to have a romantic slow jam in there because, you know, that one's got the most plays. Yeah. And then it's like, wait, why am I, why are we prioritizing that? But then it's like, I've lost track of how it, all of that makes me feel, you know? So, do, so just on that, 
did you did you do that in the end? You did write one that the people who liked that song last time. Well, I think fortunately, like those things sync up with what is enjoyable for us to make, mm. and I think people this whole time, the things that people connect with that. Um, you know part of our output and what whatever kind of songs that we make that tend to connect with people are the ones where it sounds like we're having fun or it's the most genuine it's the most real and it's yeah. only the most real when us two are having fun like we've always yeah. kind of telegraphed that um mm. whether it be on purpose or not and mm. so i kind of it becomes a lot easier for me to make stuff and and like invest in it emotionally when it's something that feels fun and mm. easy you mm. know not easy in a way that it's like just do it and forget about it but mm. just like don't fight your instincts absolutely yeah and maybe it's you know like it is that that thing where sometimes you're just beating your head against the wall but when it's right it is easy mm. so yeah it's it's hard to i <laughs> My my wife's a really big Elton fan, mm-hmm. and you know he, Elton John, and he's coming out and he's he's touring and everything, slaying it all over the world. And somehow we ended up watching a doco on YouTube, <laughs> and um, he was saying, you know, when he wrote all of his hits, it was a period in his life when it they would go into the studio and he'd write a hit that's still being played everywhere around the world right yeah. now, and they would write the song on the spot then record it and that was it they just walk off just in one session yeah. and he said it was really really easy yeah yeah um and so maybe we should be searching for yeah like a the- state rather than yeah like, totally like yeah, yeah. To, like a, a it's it's more about like to do it the other way around and search for a headspace yeah. Rather than search for the music and then get into the headspace and then say, yeah, yeah, I think we're in it. Let's do it. Yeah, find that process that feels right and then yeah, not, get you not worry about what it's creating. Because yeah. I, I, f- I find that like... Um, <laughs> I can feel John just, getting yeah, stressed yeah, right just, now. Yeah, I just feel like... Yeah, the, the pressure the, of the headspace? We just kept, I feel like this album, we, like, I was, we were just purposely trying to avoid that, that easy, that path, you know, that yeah. nice path. Yeah. I think it was I, like, I knew I knew where I knew I know where that is, and I well, was you like, "You done fucked up." Yeah. No, 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 I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that goes without saying. Like, musically, see, you did. I can see that path, and I'm like, "No, nah, I don't want to walk down there. I want to fucking walk into this like dark, like shrubbery." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. In there. I don't know. yeah. I think it was kind of a, a process where you throw everything at the wall and something's going to stick, but it's all just trial and error. Like we know that X, Y, and Z works, but let's try all the other letters and numbers that we can try and see if anything else works. And I think we Mm. kind of did. that's why it takes so long sometimes. Well, at the end of the day, it's still a rock album. We're still making two-piece rock music. Like it's not... Yeah, and your process is... I used to do this all the time because like my fascination... You know, I was talking before or alluding to something that I was sort of working on. What I really wanted to bring to the whole blues kind... I wanted to do blues music, but, like, my process is to be using beats from electronica and and hip-hop and stuff like that, which I did. And especially now looking back, but even at the time, it was like... I would carry on about it in interviews and stuff and, like, no one gave a fuck. Yeah. Because... They just thought it sounded like my music and that's all it was. And especially now when you look back, because everybody even, you're called a singer-songwriter if you make your music on Ableton now. (laughs) Whereas for me, back in the day, I was thinking it was a hybrid cool thing. That's the other thing that like we, 
every left turn we take and things that we add to our repertoire that's different it's it's always stuff that people are already doing it's always it's usually stuff that more people are doing than the bullshit yeah. that we used to do so it's like mm. every point of difference is like yes yeah, so what now you're doing that too so it's like yeah big deal I've, I've learned to not be like look at look at this isn't this crazy that we're doing this crazy new thing it's like nah we're just it's yeah. still gonna sound like us which i guess is a good thing like you don't want people to listen to the new ash grunwald and be like it doesn't sound like him nah yeah yeah isn't it elvis uh speaking of taking you out of it uh this is irrelevant, but I found out that El- Elvis was. A, do you know Elvis was a twin? Yeah, and his, yeah, br- and his brother that. died at birth. Like his brother yeah. died, and then he came out. Yeah, right. Imagine that. Imagine Fun that. fact. I like that segue. Yeah. I don't know where to build. I on don't know this. where to go from that. <laughs> I was just. It's just been like weighing down on me all day, just uh, thinking about like <laughs> just weighing, weighing it you would, down. Man, that's a heavy fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like reading about, it and they reckon like if if you're a twin and your um your twin dies, you get all like the you get the powers. Power, you get the power of two people wow. as one person. We well, had a fair bit. The other one was the other fun fact of him that I read in Doctor Carl's book was that he was eating as much as a Asian elephant. Fuck me. In kilojoules when he died, he kind of ate himself to death and he died on the toilet i think yeah, yeah, yeah eating a sandwich got stuck or something yeah. right? it was oh, so intensely man. constipated <laughs> this is a perfect a metaphor for the king died album. on the throne <laughs> he sure did <laughs> my god the time i noticed already gone going through the motion just hanging on i don't So I didn't give you much context earlier, but I got Ash Grunwald in the studio for two reasons. Number one, he's a pro with so many albums and projects under his belt, including the newest one, Mojo. But alongside that, he's also just released a book called Surf By Day, Jam By Night. When I originally pitched the idea to Polish Club, they didn't really want to talk about a book that on the surface appeared to be mostly about surfing. But I'd read the book, so I knew it was incredibly relevant. So, once the interview sidetracked to trivia about the constipated Elvis Presley, I got them back on track. Thankfully, JH was there to steer the conversation delicately back on course, with a classic segue from the playbook of interviews from the likes of Parkinson, Oprah and David Frost. So what's this, uh, what's this, what's this shit about surfing that you... <laughs> uh, yeah, um... I've got a good segue into the book. Yeah, My book. Yeah, let me just promo something just for... Uh, I love that it's such classic like promo, a book. <laughs> it feels like... Oh, it is good promo. You guys should do it. Because like, I'm in the middle of it right now. Mm. So or it's, um, it's really interesting. It gives you something really good to talk about in interviews because rather than talk about music uh, when you're on your ninth studio yeah. album yeah. and... Like, we're musicians, we're talking about some common things here, but you say you're talking to someone who's not a musician. Mm. And just like we're saying, you know, if you really go in too deep about the music, they don't really care and it's hard to get um, themes to talk about that unif- that are that Makes sense to the layman. Whereas to me, the book is like... So, just briefly for people, the book is called Surf by Day, Jam by Night. I went and interviewed musical surfers and surfing musicians. I flew over and interviewed Kelly Slater and Steph Gilmore. And then I interviewed Jack Johnson and Matt McHugh here from Sydney. And yeah, So Kelly Slater's the musical surfer? <laughs> yeah. He, oh, there's, there's a lot of musical 
surfers because I'm a frother on surfing, so right. uh, it's probably more musical surfer than surfing so is, musicians. So is Kelly Slater better at music or surfing? Well, he's he define better. <laughs> He's oh, okay. 11 times world champion at surfing, so, so he would probably be-, be Michael Jackson and um, <laughs> and Elvis and Tash Altana but- and <laughs> I don't know. Um, did you, put, did yeah. you say Tash Altana in the same Elvis- sentence as Elvis and <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, oh, Pull a few names together. What's his, does his music, is his music released and stuff? Uh, no, like- I think he's released a few things, but he's a really good singer. He plays guitar. Oh, and right. he, like he, he told me about how he got, I more hit him. He's the only one I would just like hit him for stories. Cause he's like, yeah, yeah. I arrived in his, in his, uh, woke him up there and he, I'm there in his kitchen and I'm playing this guitar that Ben Harper gave to him and, you know, oh, while right. he's getting his shit together. And then he showed me at the end of the interview, or well, we had a jam and stuff. And then he showed me this. This guitar that Pearl, he was jamming with Pearl Jam to like sixteen thousand people, and uh, and he they as gave you do. him as you do, and they gave him a Les Paul, and it said Slater, like spelled S L eight R, which was because he just won eight world titles. Uh-huh. I mean, that would have been a good day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not bad. I've heard, I've heard that he's like um, super intense, like like um, in terms of like competitive, like he's like a. I don't know. I don't yeah, know the ultimate like- competitor and competitive at table tennis and competitive. Yeah, yeah. I've heard all that, but he was just a really chilled out, nice guy. And I was um, getting around the place because um, I had lost my license. And I didn't lose my license. I physically lost my wallet. And oh, okay. I was going to Melbourne. <laughs> oh, Damn, I was about to say, like, what'd you do? <laughs> you dirty dog. <laughs> so I was going to Melbourne and then I was flying to Spain from there for gigs. And then I was living in Bali at the flight. time. <laughs> so, like, I was lost my wallet. So, I'm like, shit, 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 fuck. So, I had to get a credit card. So, I finally got a, I got a credit card just before I left. Went to Spain, did the tour, met my family in Bali. And you don't need a license in Bali. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so, when I got... I flew to LA from Bali. So, then when I got there, I'm like, yes, it's still on. He hasn't flown to Tahiti to chase some swell after I've gone all this way. <laughs> and then... I'd go to the, you know, to hire a car and I'm like, fuck, I don't have a license. I had oh to Uber God. like two hours down the road. And then I was going to have to Uber like for four hours to Steph. So, and then I got halfway to Steph's place, Steph Gilmore. And yeah. then I had left my laptop <laughs> and GoPro at his place. So I'm like, oh, dude, I'm so embarrassed. But I'm so sorry about this, but I've left it. So what should I do? And anyway, he met me on the highway, met the Uber. And then he Later. was like, dude, this is costing you too much money. Let me hire you a car. Jump in here. And then we had to go to different hire car places and stuff. So, And then finally, after like he waited in line for half an hour at the second hire car place, right. he hired me a car and let me use that for like four or five days. Jesus. And then Was I it competitive it about prices? Though? It was like, <laughs> I'm getting a better price down the road. <laughs> but see, that's this guy that yeah. like, you know, yeah, everyone's yeah. always oh, so competitive and this and that. But like... If somebody came to interview me, and I think of myself as a nice guy, you're not, you're not fucking. Renting, I wouldn't you're not be renting, you're not pulling out the credit card. I'll be like, they said, oh, I left you there. there. I'll be like, it's still here for you. Yeah, it'll be here, man. <laughs> Catch it. I might not, but it'll be. I might be not, here. but I'll leave the house open. Oh yeah, I'll leave it. I'll leave it the front, like under the yeah. fucking mat at the front. I get super, super uncomfortable when people go that far out of their way to help me. Though I don't know how to react. I'd rather yeah, than I be douchebags. Yeah, <laughs> but I thought I thought that was really good, and it just shows you when people at the very top have mm. an act. 
Mm. And they don't need to. Even if it was for me to write something nice in the book and say what I'm saying right now in interviews, I wouldn't buy that. I don't think yeah. he would give a shit. Yeah. Um, but he was, that was just his sort of ethics and how he rolls. And, and that was really cool. But I was going to say something about Steph Gilmore. Mm. Um, yeah. So then I went to see Isn't, her. Oh, she lives in Bali too. No, she LA. lives in LA or she lives in Malibu. She? But between Malibu Fancy. and um yeah, she has a Where well, she's cool from pad. She's from Wollongong or something, right? Or No, Goldie. Oh, Goldie. Yeah. That's just like LA in Australia. You <laughs> might as well just stay in the Goldie. <laughs> <laughs> but she was really cool and she did teach me a lot about the stuff that we're talking about right now because at that time, so just to backtrack, I had a career slump. And right. I was over in Bali. I had recorded an album in LA five years previous to right now, and it had got lost. Fuck lost. <laughs> me! How does this? Ha- how does yeah. this happen? Did you leave it at Kelly's, in Kelly's a digital place? age? How does something go? I'm, I'm to bring you back license. to that hole, but like, how does that happen? Well, what happened was a guy flew me over there, and it was at the end. Triple J. I had done an album that I put all my work in, and I yeah. thought it was my best album. It was called Now. Triple J. You know, you're an oldie. Right. I got the heave ho there, and it I was knew, just well, like. Didn't you do Triple J for a while? Didn't you? Yeah, work? I was a host. Just be like, oi, fucking. Like- remember the old days, yeah. you guys? What yeah. do you mean? Yeah, you know, it's fair <laughs> enough. I was probably for like thirty-five. I was hoping oh, I would God. make the oh, cut. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. I don't know what that feels like. Uh. <laughs> But they gave me that, and that really affected my numbers. And then mm. a few different things happened. I was working on getting stuff happening in the States. That fell over. I was working on stuff in Canada that I've been working on for a long time. That fell over. Europe, just different things didn't work out. Mm. And then right. the dude who said, come over here. And because I sort of play blue, like I play bluesy music, this guy was like, you know, the world needs to hear this. And, you know, America needs to hear this. So we'll do a traditional, more of a traditional. Right. Blues album. Mm. So he flew me over there, got me with these blues legends, and it was just absolutely uh, amazing. It was a dream come true. And I was like, wow, this is so rad. And I had one guy who was Wait, a really a LA, vocal. Was it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and this guy's a real vocal hero of mine. He was singing on it, and he's now since passed away. And it was just like pinch yourself stuff. Got home, then the guy just lost contact and wouldn't return my email like Fuck me. we had communication for another six months and we were still sort of working on it and he was getting more people to play on it and he got like this guy kim wilson kind of like the best like one of the two best harmonica blues harmonica oh, yeah. players in in the world all this cool stuff and then he just disappeared and the album i could never get it and he wouldn't even return an email. He just, he and he might be listening to this right now. Oi, mother... Oi, what's his name? <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, th- but, uh, first of all, thanks for listening to this podcast. That's yeah. random. But and also, I uh, hit up Ash Gromwell. He's, he's, he wants that album. No, but I, but the thing is, I got it back. <laughs> oh, you so got it back. Oh, so fuck. Then, I should have waited. For, like, forget about that. Dude. I did tell a long story. But like, I went, I went to Bali and I ended up being in Bali for three years. Still gigging here, but just being more <laughs> lifestyle focused and... <laughs> Party, party focused. That's what Novak's. That's what Novak's doing right now. <laughs> I'm a big, big, passionate lifestyle I, person. I have a, yeah. Um, and then, so then, then I just started to try and turn stuff around and get into some out there hippie kind of manifesting of stuff. 
things. I, and the, that look that you gave me then is perfect. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how say, I felt. Yeah. <laughs> but then I, I, I'm telling you, I've got a first-hand little experiment. Uh, like I can say I'm an experiment in this because I didn't believe any of that. Yeah. The heavy, and then, the heavy thing? Yeah. Heavy- yeah. Like I didn't ever think... Oh, you know, like you can manifest your destiny or whatever. But I tried it, which was just like to get back to where you were when you were a whippersnapper. Yeah, sure. Get back to the excitement and actually try and um, reach for something beyond you. Because over the years, my head had uh, dipped down a little bit in terms Mm. of what I thought was possible. Because I've been doing it for so long and Mm. I was just like cruising along and, you know. And Steph identified something about that. She's like, you know, when you're young, it's a challenge and you're looking sort of upwards and, you know, but actually it becomes, their fear comes in of losing something. And that fear of losing something, then suddenly, like if you're on a snowboard and you're going through the trees, you want to look at the spaces. That's what you want. You don't want to look at the tree. If you look Mm. at the tree, you hit the tree. Mm. So when that fear creeps in, because you have something to lose. It's very natural. You have something to lose, like like what you guys have achieved, all these great things. And then after a while, you're like, fuck. You're not thinking, I hope this goes better or I hope it goes as well. Or I th-. you're thinking, I hope it doesn't go shitter than the last yeah. one. I hope we don't go, oh, I hope we're not finished here. I hope we're not on the downhill. It's on momentum. And, and that, or that way of thinking creeps in. And um, so what you really need to do, and I learned that because Steph Gilmore, she was on her sixth world title and after this interview, she won her seventh. And I was shocked at the end of the interview, I asked the old manifest question and I almost embarrassedly said, do you think you can uh, manifest your um, uh? And she said, totally. And Ka- I hadn't asked Kelly, but she said, Kelly uses that stuff too and gets ultra cosmic on it. Like you can, you can use, you actually can. We don't understand the way things work and you can actually manifest the things that you want in life through the way that you think. And that is a super radical concept, I know. And mm. I know it sounds like bullshit and somebody's laughing at me no, right it's like now. The, it's there. like the secret, right? That, <laughs> yeah, oh it's God. very the secret. Now, when I saw the secret... I turned it off because so, I saw these diamond done, rings. Yeah, yeah. People try to manifest like diamond necklaces yeah. and stuff. It's really tacky. But, yeah, that's really. Uh, but yeah, I I like that that kind of stuff. I actually had a bit of a selfish day today, and some bullshit happened where I was like wind, like being real windy and pissy. And, and uh, yeah, I think I should maybe just be more positive about this thing well, well it's a lot we, easier to like manifest an emotion rather than a diamond ring yeah so that like was i fully buy lame. into like well it's like you know if you smile scientifically it's proven that you will have more endorphins like yeah. regardless it's of the context yeah. so like i do buy into that but yeah it's difficult i mean how did you adjust to that if you're not kind of accustomed to that uh, quote-unquote hippie lifestyle and well, way of thinking. Well, I, I should clarify other parts of me are mm. kind of down the hippie vibe, but, like, I was always very secular. Yeah. You know, I was kind of... I'm, I have become more spiritual. I was more like an atheist at one point. Mm. Um, but, like, uh, so those things have changed. But I... And I have written about this in my book. It was about... I changed my idea about belief systems. Mm. And I thought... Fuck what wins an argument at your next barbecue. Mm. Who cares? It's more important than that. This is my actual life. So I'm going to go for belief systems that empower me and help me to achieve the things I want to achieve in my life and have sure. fun. 
And once I started to look at it that way and the more people I interviewed, they were all using this kind of stuff. I was like, wow, you know, like we need to sort of stand up. You can stand up and sort of you can grab it Mm. and like grab your belief systems and try and think what in my belief system is kind of holding me back and making me go into a downward spiral or make me just not achieve the things I want to achieve. And I I really have worked out that what's really important is your mental and emotional state. Yeah. Everything, and you've identified that with your good music and stuff, like when it's all firing, like your state will will very much dictate your reality on that day and mm-hmm. what you can achieve on that day and what is life but a string of Was days. there anyone you spoke to in your travels for this book that kind of went against that or negated that? Or was it this eureka moment where you're like, this is the connecting thread of every single person? No, that's what I discovered. And this what I what I had some findings at the end and a lot of this stuff is... Is this a spoiler alert this, for you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or just jump to this. If, if people listening got this, then they'd, you know, like... I've found that these... These are people who are high achieving, not just in money making. They're high achieving in following their passions. So it's almost like they they seem like good people to me, people that you want to be like, whether you do what they do or not. But once you've had that initial spurt of success that everybody in the book had had, and most of them were older, and you guys can identify with your initial spurt and whatever, the fuel after that, to keep things fresh and joyous and yeah. to keep it exciting without the fear is gratitude. If you have gratitude, you can use that as a springboard. If you you know how when you start out you can get you get a level of success and if you think you're humble or if you're trying to be humble, then all you do is take that success and you go, Yep, cool, but I'm not gonna rest on my laurels. I'm going for the next thing. Yeah. And that's cool. You think you're being like really hardworking, but you're sort of in a way shitting in the face of the universe a little bit because you're not, <laughs> you're not really stopping well, no to froth to that. Yeah. and go, and there's no end point. Yeah. So you could be like selling out Rod Laver for mm. a couple of nights in a row, but feel like a piece of shit and you're going nowhere easily if yeah. you've been doing it for so like 15 psych- it's years. It's like that psychopathic thing where... Like a lot of CEOs apparently, or whatever heads of companies are psychopaths because they, and because uh, they like they, they they once they get to the top position they get sad because they don't. There's nowhere else to go. They can't stab people in the back to get any higher. Yeah, they, they like that kind of like hunt more than the um, than get into the top. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was the fun bit that yeah, got them there. It yeah. totally becomes like when you when you do one tour and then the next tour is like twice as big venues and they're all sold out. It does start to lose its meaning if you stop. If you start to think, well, there's the next one can be this one, or yeah. when are we going to do this one? And it's yeah. just like it's all entirely meaningless if you're not just like, well, no, this one's pretty great. Like it's amazing yeah. that we got to this point. Yeah, and I, I mean, look, the hardest thing of all is like you you can say all this stuff, but it's um it's hard to put it into practice sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So I started keeping a journal and I think it is important. I try and do it every day. Oh, yeah. I, I forget, but just like, because I think gratitude is the fuel for, for so much in your mm. life because you need to build, build joy. And the most funniest thing about it is it feels weird to do that. 
But you write down things and you look through what you wrote down and you could fill a page easily, all of us could. Yeah. And none of it's bullshit. Yeah. And then write down on the next page, I haven't done this, but just as an interesting comparison, write down the bullshit that you're whinging about. <laughs> and it doesn't equal out to the gratitude. Right. But, you know, that's that's a funny thing. But, like, it, it shows you that um, we've got so much to be grateful for. And I don't think... It's, I think it's very hard to achieve really good things that you want to achieve in your life without that I'm gonna mental state. I'm going to try that. I think do it. So, so okay. Yeah, do, do, 30 do 30 days. days. Do 30, 30 days. days. Don't yeah. try it once. Just commit to doing it for 30 days. Yeah. And see so every how day, you day roll. So, every day I write like a split list of like things I'm grateful for and shit and bitchy shit <laughs> i wouldn't even i've never done the bitchy shit oh okay right well one thing i did the other day um is i wrote down gratitudes and then i wrote is like i said your life is the summary of your of what you do every day so mm. if you want something you've got to have that as part of your daily routine yeah and once you start doing that and you see improvements in all those different ways, you start to froth because you're like, wow. <laughs> like if you do... Like literally month, froth at the mouth. Foam like, like foam at the mouth. <laughs> Everywhere. It's really inconvenient. <laughs> no, but you do sort of get that. That's what I've got. Like, you know, like... Because that's what I'm... Like that book is about a bit of a... Coming out of a bit of a slump. And like now I feel like so full of energy. What's, what's Pete Murray up to? Um, I, do you know I interviewed Pete? Oh, were you saying yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the body. <laughs> the body. So, he's, the body. he's a rig, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He oh, works yeah. out a so lot. That's what he's up to. Um, he's playing all over the world. He's he's a great example of what we're talking about. Um, yeah. Because his first album went... Because we started at the same time. Like, I was there at the bottom slugging away and he was there with that so beautiful, mm. you know, oh, yeah. going seven times platinum. Yeah. Fuck me. So when you go seven times platinum, it's probably going to be, you're not going to do that every time. Yeah. Uh, most people aren't. But so he's doing like, uh, I don't know, medium-sized venues, but turning up, sometimes solo, sometimes with a band, killing it, selling them out, having a ball. And he uh, it was very inspiring for me to talk to him because... He has like what we're talking about. He has that attitude of like, mm. you know, this is great. And now he's just embarking on like, you know, he's had kids and all this and all sorts of record company stuff. So now he's going to Europe a lot and, and starting up over there. And I think he's really excited about it. Um, so that's the other thing that I got out of doing the book is like, where if you want to be. And Matt McHugh from the Beautiful Girls was fantastic because he's my same generation. Yeah, talking about this stuff, this is where we prove our shit, man. That's what he was saying. He inspired me. Like he's like, this is where we prove it. Are we going to be? You know, we got our first wave, mm. and that was cool. So now, once your trend is gone, you're seeing like for us, it was that root scene that came through. Yeah, in the noughties. Mm. Mm. Um, what now? When, when that's not a, a current trend. So now you get your chance like, I don't know, like uh, Bruce Springsteen or like, you know, all these people who are Paul Kelly, you know, yeah, all yeah. these people who are lifers. You had a real dip, didn't you, Paul? I don't think you can, I don't think at any level anybody has ever had a career that didn't have a dip. Yeah. Nobody. Ever. Well, just life in general, I guess. Or life. That, does that always re require like a reinvention after that though? Is that the way out of it or 
No, you could just wait. You could be doing great stuff mm. and you could be waiting. You could just wait for everyone else to catch up to the fact that you're a yeah. lord. <laughs> That's true, I'm not though. saying I, about me. <laughs> I, I fully believe that, though. It's like it's all cyclical music. Yeah. In genre and in everything. And it's like I don't feel like the, trying to reinvent yourself and change for the sake of change is just a really bad idea. I think that's a bad idea. I mean, and then you get your examples of Akadaka and all that. Yeah. That just don't change yeah. a thing and just, just keep playing to millions of people in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or all around the world. Yeah. Yeah, there's two different ways. Of, I think mm. you have to do... what. I think the most important thing to keep everything vital is that it needs to have a purpose beyond the commerce. Yeah. And that's one thing that um that I definitely found in doing that book that the irony that you you to to play music for a living is your dream, then you do it and that's great. But there's an equation. Yeah. I feel like the more money comes into anything it can't help but turn it into a job. Mm. And then you got to be careful because yeah. then it takes the creativity away and it takes the, uh, it puts the pressure on. Like, that's yeah. what you guys are saying, isn't it? Well, yeah. I can't imagine how Pete felt after what, seven times platinum. How do you even like mentally follow up from that? Yeah. It's like I would never, if you gave me the option of like any career trajectory, that'd be the last thing I'd choose. Yeah, you don't want to start out on a... It just sounds terrifying. It's like there's yeah. no... I feel like there's no winning after that. Well, I think he does what I was talking about. I think he uses gratitude. That's mm. how you do it. That's mm. how you get around it. You don't use... You use gratitude and you... And what... If you have gratitude for the past mm. and you you work on the present and you're just work like a your, busy bee uh, at the present, you're just doing your thing and you're in your zone and you get into body. a flow state. <laughs> you work the body. <laughs> and, then, and then you have optimism for the future. Yeah. There's no one in that book who's not an optimist. Yeah. So you have gratitude for the past, optimism for the future. Those are belief systems that empower you. And you can say, no, you know what I want to do? I want to be pissed off. I want to have pessimism for the future and ingratitude for the past. And I'll try that out. Be my guest. <laughs> try it. No, no, you try that, that this was, week. That was my next sentence. Yeah, you, you did 30 days. <laughs> unironically my next sentence. You did 30 days of that and yeah. I'll do 30 days We've, of I've gratitude. been doing 30 years of that. <laughs> it's no problem. Well, well great. I, I think we're, we're both naturally kind of pessimistic, but... Yeah, right. Not, not in it. a destructive way, I don't think. Uh, I'm borderline destructive. No, because you, you're still here and it's still working, so you haven't fucked it up yet. Well, all the like, <laughs> yeah. the whole reason we do what we do is because at some point, and I don't know when, and I don't know how often, at some point, it's so fun and rewarding that it becomes worthwhile. Yeah, I can't quite yeah. put my finger on when and where that is. Yeah, right. Um, but it's there. We wouldn't yeah. be doing it otherwise, you know. Yeah. No one's doing this because like they hate themselves. And I think I'm doing it because I've got, like got some kind of like OCD thing around this yeah. stuff. <laughs> like I don't know. But all these, you know, and all these things that we're saying, you know, they're all stories that we tell ourselves, mm. and they're the ways that we make meaning is through a story. If you mm. say it's like this at one point, it is, but at the other times, it's shit or whatever. But they are anything that we say about yesterday or anything is is us using our imagination to tell a story about something that happened. So it's our choice that we're choosing now to talk about the past or to talk about yeah. the future, but it's a use of our imagination. And if you're using your imagination in a way that makes you unhappy, 
<laughs> who is the dick? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a very eloquent way of putting it. So, like, I think it's uh, that's what I'm advocating who, for. You could have called your book, uh, yeah. Who is, who the, is dick? the Dick? <laughs> who is the Dick? Because <laughs> you tend to, because you tend to think it's the circumstance or it's someone else, but it's it's like who is unhappy. Or like, if you're, I'm just saying this as something to say to yourself yeah, 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 when totally. you are unhappy. Or and it's just a general thing that I think sometimes. Like, oh, um, oh, if I'm unhappy, is who who who's unhappy? I think this is the most delightfully uh, self-help focused. I think this is guy. actually like what we thought this would be from yeah, the get go. So oh, really? Yeah. I actually feel great. Like, yeah. I've kind of been getting into um, crystals recently. You're going to say crystal birth. You've been getting into crystal. If this optimism thing doesn't work out, I'm going to hit crystal. Yeah, yeah, hit the um, ice hard. <laughs> just become a maniac. Yeah. So this new outlook that you had and your takeaway from writing that book, did it change the way you approached the new album? Or did you do the album before? Well, so we got those... Um, Tom, who you met before, he tracked down. So part of me, like turning things around, I was oh, yeah, got a new manager. Oh, I so didn't you tell didn't... the end of that story. Yeah, yeah. So this I is didn't realize out. that was the current album that you're plugging. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. So this, this that's this a all... long process. Jesus yeah. Christ. So he found. So it was very symbolic to me because he found the ye oldie in people who are listening. I'm doing inverted commas here. The lost tapes or whatever. So I got this young manager, Tom, and he tracked it down and he got that album it's like fuck we got the album back wow and it's like we're back on so then i went and tracked more in um in byron and Mm. i got like casey chambers um the teskey brothers the um, the teskey brother the teskies no the teskey brothers oh you got all all my current single yeah they tracked the whole band just get the best one <laughs> well, Steady Josh on John. Is, <laughs> Josh is a very special singer, yeah. but um, but the boys are very tasty. All analog gear, tasty and, boys, yeah. super tasty, super tasty boys. No arguments yeah, from they us. Yeah, tasty boys. Um, <laughs> and um, how many how many yeah. brothers are, are they there's all? Four brothers? of them. It's just uh, two brothers, him and Sam. Huh. There's four there's, people in the band. There's right? four guys in the band. Right, okay. So, but they're not um, all related. Like no, the but Jacksons they all grew up together and stuff. Okay. They're really cool guys. Music brothers. Yeah, you know how it is. I guess it's good to know that no matter how hard it was for Polish Club to make album number two, it doesn't sound as long or as hard as it took Ash to make number nine. Well, at least they didn't lose it. It sounds like spiritually Ash put a few things in perspective there. I, I don't know how effective this would be, so I decided to give it a week and let the interview settle in and just see what happened. And then they surprised me. But let's leave that till next time. That was Polish Club's Sophomore Slump, produced by Tom Hogan. Big thanks to Ash Grunwald. His new album, Mojo, is available everywhere. And you should also get his book, Surf by Day, Jam by Night. We'll put links in the show notes. Thanks so much. And pessimism as well. Apparently, I was reading about pessimism being part of survival. You know, like someone be like, well, maybe you shouldn't, maybe you should like not do that or something, you know. Yeah, that yeah, that cliff jumping thing you're doing is yeah, yeah. 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 maybe don't eat, don't eat your own shit. Maybe I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Just yeah. try something else. I think you need a healthy balance of both is <laughs> yeah. perfectly fine in my. Well, eating shit and uh, <laughs> eating shit and not eating shit. Yeah, the balance between those two things. <laughs>